When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. All right, welcome back. Hour number two of Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here. If you missed our announcement in the first segment, two announcements. One, vent line after preseason games because it's football and it's back. And finally, we have waited so long for this. And also, Alex Boone, former Viking, is going to be in on Thursday from 2 to 3 o'clock. So make sure you do not miss that. If you remember Boone as a Viking, um, you don't want to miss when he's talking, I think. Uh, so he's going to break down football for us and I'm very excited. So joining me now to do some more of Vikings over-unders is Phil Mackey. Hello, Phil. How are you? Wow. Um, How deep are we going with these over-unders? As deep as you want to. I want to do it back and forth style. I come up with one, you come up with one, and we just throw numbers at each other. Okay. Um, So, okay. Earlier we were talking about snap counts for guys in preseason. I want to go full Vikings at you and say this. Over-under one and a half missed field goals by Dan Bailey in the preseason. Uh, in true Vikings fashion, I'm going to go over. You're also going to notice I'm probably going to lean pessimistic because if you look at the over-unders that the Mackey and Judd show did the last two or three years, it's embarrassing how many overs. Like, oh, this is the year that Cordero Patterson is going to be unlocked in the offense. Over, <laughs> over, over, over. Um, but I think I, I'm on the record in in our write that down predictions. I think Kai Forbath kicks for the Vikings in 2019. Oh, wow. Yep. I think. Wow. And Dan Bailey, I'm sure he'll go on to to kick for another team and he'll thrive at some point. But for whatever reason, uh, this is where kickers go to die. So why are I'll you concerned about Dan Bailey? Why wouldn't I be just, concerned just about Just because Dan we're here and it's the Twin Cities and it's the Vikings. And- it's it's two, well, it's twofold, and I think you can either you can blame one of two things. If I'm not mistaken, he's only made the last two years like seventy five percent of his field goals. Correct. So he went from the first six or seven years of his career was the second most accurate kicker in the NFL's history, and then at the end of his run with Dallas, he misses one quarter of his field goals, and okay. Maybe just a change of scenery. Vikings pick him up, and he kicks the same percentage. So, yeah. so either he's not the same kicker as he was three years ago, which was again one of the most accurate kickers ever, and or the Vikings kicker hex has taken over him just like it has the last three guys before him. So there was some sort of injury that it was a down turning point for him in Dallas where he got hurt, and then when he came back the next year, he lost the job, and it was unclear whether he was fully recovered, and even into last year, because of course he's going to say, oh yeah, 100% everyone, why would you want to volunteer any information that you're hurt and have them cut you and sign Kai Forbath instead? Um, But I would imagine after an entire offseason that he would be back to 100%. In training camp, it's hard to judge. I'm not one of those people that's going to write down every single field goal. Um, but on a daily basis, he has been pretty solid. But if I were to guess where his percentage were, I'd probably say like 75 or 80%. He's boomed some 50 yarders right through the middle and it's looked great. But there has been a little bit of a lack of consistency. It hasn't been like, oh my gosh, this guy has made every field goal in camp. So he's going to be money. But the one thing I would say about Dan Bailey 
that is an improvement on some other kickers, and maybe he's four-bath-like with this, is that he's a veteran, he's been around. Mike Zimmer isn't going to like intimidate him or something or get inside of his head if they go to Green Bay and just say, I'm just spitballing here, need a field goal to not tie a game or something, <laughs> you know, anything like that. Um, I, I think that he is much more of a rock-solid mental kicker than Blair Walsh or Daniel Carlson. Okay, I, okay so let's... Put your money where your mouth is. My over-under to you is over or under 1.5 kickers, full-time kickers used by the Vikings this season. I'm going to say one. I'm going to say that Dan Bailey will be the only kicker they have and that he'll make somewhere. He's not going to be the Pro Bowl kicker, but he'll make 80%, and we will not talk about kickers very much this season. See, I love you did on Purple Daily. This might have been a couple months ago in May or June, and and you did like a full hour on – how will the Vikings curse end? Right? <laughs> yes. And I right. agree with you. I don't know how it will end. It'll end at some point. At some point, the Vikings are going to win a Super Bowl, whether it's with Mike Zimmer or whether it's when we're all old and gray. They will win a Super Bowl at some point. And I love the idea of a kicker making like seven field goals, yes. just like right down the middle. Seven, maybe one of them even stoinks in for for a game winner. But I love I love the idea of a kicker scoring twenty one points in a game to win to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, maybe or maybe it ends on a twenty seven yarder, like just right yeah. down the middle. Actually, Here it comes. Th- it's three field goals. There's a twenty seven yarder, a thirty eight yarder for Gary yeah. Anderson, and then uh, like a fifty plus yarder for Blair Walls. Now I, I thought that uh, Kai Forbath may have ended the curse right because he made the fifty two yarder in the divisional game against the Saints. However. They cut him the next year, so you're just messing with fate there. The guy who potentially ended your curse, and then you go out and draft somebody else to replace him, bad plan. All right, you give me an okay. over-under. Give me one for preseason, and then we can do some regular season. Okay, I have. I, I actually have a couple. Uh, a couple. I'll, I'll save my regular season once here. Okay, preseason, over or under. Let's go over or under. Um, Five quarters of play for Kirk Cousins in the preseason. What's their plan there? I'm going to say that the answer is probably... mm, I might go exactly on five quarters of football because I think he'll probably have one uh, on Friday night and then he'll have into the second quarter for the second preseason game and maybe into the third quarter for the third one. I'm not sure about that. Okay, do you you think... let, Let me spin off a question off that. How would you if 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 Matthew Collar was approaching? Because I know how I would do it. I would I would not be so afraid when I'm installing a new offense or a new system of some kind or integrating a bunch of important new players. I would be less afraid of guys getting injured and more concerned about mm-hmm. making sure going into week one this thing is honed. And so, is your approach in this case to just make sure? Hey, these guys need, if they need an extra quarter or an extra half because. That's what's going to get this offense honed, and you can't cut block unless you're cutting against a donut in practice. Like, <laughs> like I, I think if the more we take away from practice sessions and the more we're installing new offenses in the NFL, the more I want those guys to play in the preseason. Yeah, so that's interesting because I look at it the exact opposite way. I look at it as if you told me that there is a 3% risk of Kirk Cousins getting hurt, that's probably what it is, right? Of all the quarterbacks who have ever played in the preseason, it's probably 97% don't get hurt in those games. I'm saying, okay, I'm not playing him. I just can't. Like This team has been built over such a long period of time, and they paid him so much money. If he's lost week one because he breaks an ankle or something, oh, well, that was in a regular season game. I can't predict that. In the preseason, though, you're losing him for nothing. But is there is but is but there an edge? Maybe the answer is no. Is there, if I'm looking for advantages on the fringes in, in football, and I think, man, when I watch September regular season football, it just takes almost every team in the league that isn't the Patriots, even but they lose in September a lot more yep. than other months. It takes teams a lot longer to get going. If I could start that process earlier, would I have an edge over other teams in week one, two, and three? I think if we were talking about a rookie quarterback, probably. But we're talking about a guy who has four years in the league and who has... I mean, even last year, I would have made more of an argument for it, just saying, well, he's new here and you want to see him get out on the actual field with starters. But there have been so many close calls that I would say, I don't know, man. All all it takes is somebody rolling up on an ankle. Um, Last year, Stephon Diggs took a big hit in preseason. I don't want any part of that. I, I don't want Delvin Cook out there cutting on the turf 
if it's week you know if it's week one of the preseason in in the Superdome, I don't want him doing that because there's just too much risk involved with these players yeah. who are the centerpieces of your potential championship team. That's the way you're looking at it as an ownership. If I owned a team, I would say. Okay, uh, one rule I'm going to make. I'm not going to overmanage. I'm not going to tell you how to do your jobs. But you are not playing the starting quarterback in the preseason because if we lose him, we are bleeped. See, I feel like if you look at the NBA, you know how how much how much preseason and practice action does LeBron James really need? You just get out there and you'll. And if if you're slow for the first five or six games, you'll make it up in February and March anyways. And if you're a three seed instead of a one seed, you're still in and you're still going to win the championship if you're destined to do so. In the NFL, I, you would never just shove a team out the door without having practiced in week one. But you don't want it. To your point, you don't want to overexpose to injuries in a sport that tears ACLs and I, and Achilles. And so I love. I, I think it's fascinating. It's a sport that requires so much choreography and so much mm-hmm. planning and timing. But you don't want to overexpose guys to because you can time everything out and then like boom, Dalvin Cook is out because he or Teddy Bridgewater steps wrong. So I'm fascinated by how the NFL is evolving and that the players want to do less, mm-hmm. but the product might suffer and your performance might suffer because you're doing less. I think I would take a bad week one performance on offense and hope that my defense wins to not have him risk losing in the preseason. But even then, I mean, we saw the example that we were talking about this a little bit earlier that I used is Sam Bradford show up and beat the Packers at US Bank Stadium a week after he got here. It's yeah. like this is these are these are guys who spend 365 working at their craft. Like Kirk Cousins is a psycho. That guy works endlessly at his craft. I mean, you're telling me that he needs to go out there for one quarter or one drive to to get sharp enough to play week 1? That's fair. I, I mean, he's done this so many times that I, it would be it's the same with LeBron. Like this guy spends his entire life trying to do this. I don't think he needs to play in a preseason game. It won't change cuz it's football. They'll probably keep um, throwing him out there, and I, I would guess right on five quarters is how much he ends up playing. Um, but if it were me, I'd say I'm too afraid of this. Uh, all right, let me give you a regular season one. Over under 5.5, where the Vikings defense will rank in points allowed. Wow. I believe, uh, well, I, I can speak to yardage for sure. The Vikings have finished top five in yardage defense the last three years. The last time they went three consecutive years was early purple people eaters, like mm-hmm. late six, it was like 69, 70, and 71. So from a, from a yardage standpoint, we're looking at the best three year chunk of Vikings defense since Bud Grant and Carl Eller and Alan Page and yeah. Jim Marshall. Um, scoring, they've been top ten under Mike Zimmer. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna say I, I. They made a lot of really questionable contract moves this offseason by committing to Everson Griffin, Anthony Barr, mm-hmm. by not allocating that money to the offensive side. I'm gonna trust Mike Zimmer's. Mike Zimmer's instincts are also blending in with Mike Zimmer's heart, which is defense and wanting to keep these guys together. I'm gonna trust that he's right for this season. I don't know how prudent these decisions are gonna be as players get older. I'm gonna say under meaning top five points defense in the NFL. And by the way, if they aren't a top five points defense, I don't think they can win a Super Bowl. But if they are a top five points defense, they have a chance at least to make some noise in the playoffs. Um, so last year they were ninth in points, but if you take away the pick sixes and fumbles returned for touchdown, they're top five. And I wish that they would change those rankings so it's only defensive points allowed. Why have we, like, I'm I sure there know. are there are definitely websites like PFF that take that into account when grading defense, but like, how has not, how has that not been taken out I yet? don't know. I, I think it's just how many points did you give up? It's probably an easier formula for pro football reference in NFL.com yeah. to run. So we're like, like, Riley Reef can't tackle, so therefore, right. like, the defense gets punished. Right. Okay. Yes, at least in their points ranking, which is why, you know, Websites like Football Outsiders try to do it a little smarter, and if you looked at them, then the Vikings were a top-five defense last year. And I think that they will be just outside that. Um, I think sixth, seventh, eighth is where they're going to end up that, you know... There are enough talented players on the defense to still be really great, and they still have one of the best defensive minds. But you can't just pick off good players and have other players get older and say, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine that Everson Griffin's older. It'll be fine that Harrison Smith is coming off a decent year but not a great year. It'll be fine that Sheldon Richardson is not here. 
I mean, the, the Sheldon Richardson thing, you can only talk about it so much. But when you look at his uh, pressures that he created last year, he's in the top 15 in pressures at the three-technique position. Now they have no one who can create pressure from that spot. Shamar Stefan is not going to pressure the quarterback there. Uh, I'm not even sure Hercules Mata'afa is making the team. We'll see on, on Jalen Holmes if he can do it. So, like... Who's even going to come in here and be that guy? Are we going to see Tom Johnson, you know, three weeks into the season because they're getting no interior pressure? I think those small little things, Xavier Rhodes getting a little bit older. Um, if somebody's dinged up, they don't have the depth that they had before. Those things will be the difference between being at the very top and being like still good, but you're going to need better performances from the offense. It also shows because it was it was only two years ago that they had the best defense according to a lot of different measurements in the NFL, um, and it shows if your strategy is to build defense first to win a championship versus offense first. Yes, it's hard to land Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, but you really only need the one guy to give yourself a shot offensively to be a Super Bowl caliber team, right? Mm-hmm. If you have Aaron Rodgers and you get your defense half right, you can win a Super Bowl. Yep. But if you go the other way and you have kind of an average quarterback, like Kirk Cousins is just kind of, he's like, you know, you could argue 12th, but you could argue 17th in terms of ranking quarterbacks. If you go that route and you have a non-Tom Brady Aaron Rodgers, think about what it takes to keep a number one defense intact. Yep. Ages of not just one guy, which is your quarterback, okay, I just have to worry about the age of my quarterback, and Tom Brady's 42 and still amazing. So, But on defense, I have to worry about Everson Griffin's age curve and Anthony Barr's age curve mm-hmm. and Daniil Hunter and Harrison Smith and like a couple linebackers. And if all of those things aren't merging onto the freeway at the same time, you don't have the number one defense in the NFL. It it's makes hard. me uh, think a lot about pitching in baseball and bullpens and how you, know, you can build a great bullpen. Keeping a great bullpen together year after year is very difficult, and predicting a bullpen is very difficult because guys get old quick or they have great years that maybe aren't really who they are because things just kind of worked out for them that year. That's what I wonder about Mackenzie Alexander. He was talked a lot about, oh, the second half of the year he was way better. And it's true. I mean, he, he was. But does that mean he's going to be great for 16 games this year? That I'm not so sure about. And getting that to align with every once in a while uh, with a mid-pack quarterback, you're going to get a little more out of him. Getting that all to line together is pretty darn difficult, uh, especially when your quarterback has some of the shortcomings that Kirk Cousins do. So now you have to have the perfect scheme, the playmakers all stay healthy, a good offensive line, and then a good defense too, or it's just not going to happen. Okay, you said Kirk Cousins' shortcomings. Good segue to my next over-under for you. Regular Uh, season over-under, okay? So Kirk Cousins has fumbled 40 times in the last four seasons. He's averaging 10 fumbles per season. So so Mm, twice in every three games he's fumbling, okay? Over on and, and it was a big talker early in camp, Kirk Cousins. He kinda he kinda he kinda blamed the lost fumbles, which is like blaming your right guard for not jumping on it. But he's aware of the problem. They've been working on it with him. So over or under nine and a half fumbles for Kirk Cousins. Will he will he still be a ten fumble per season guy and learn nothing? Or will he get better? Okay, let me just disagree real quick. I don't think he's aware of the problem. I I think that he thinks it's not a problem at all and doesn't realize that he's the top fumbler over the last few years. But anyway, that that gets to when Kirk wants to nitpick on, well, you know, it wasn't that I fumbled, it was the lost fumbles, and it wasn't it wasn't uh, me, it was that the left tackle didn't push his guy this way. And so it, we're trying like, to work on, uh, quite frankly, all of my offensive linemen just being quicker to pick up my mistake. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go, so what is the over-under then? Uh, um, nine and a half. Nine and a half. I'm actually going to go under. Because I think that Gary Kubiak understands what the shortcomings are of his quarterback and is going to work day and night tirelessly till his jet black hair turns gray and he looks like Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> in, to, in which movie? To protect all of them. To protect <laughs> Kirk Cousins. It, it's definitely by the end of the season he'll look like old country for or no country for old men where yeah. the guy's just beaten down and or he'll look like the the Batman Tommy Lee Jones Two Face where one side of his face is just like ripped off with acid or something. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we did see Zimmer almost as an eyeball, That's true, so yeah. I guess nothing can be um, counted out yeah. with the Vikings. 
I'm going to go under, though, because I think that that is what uh, Gary Kubiak is trying to do. I think he understands what the strengths and weaknesses of his quarterback are, and he's trying to intentionally keep him away from those mistakes. The thing, though, is that pocket presence is not going to change. He's going to pat the football more than he should. He's going to stand in the same spot and not move as everything collapses around him, and that allows for hands and fingers to get in there and just tap the ball out of his hands. So, um, you know, I do think last year there were things that won't happen again, like him throwing it backwards for a fumble (laughs) or, you know, he had one last year that was a pitch. It was a bad pitch to Delvin Cook and it sort of hit Delvin's um, shoulder pad and that's a fumble on Kirk. And like he does have a point when he brings up that they'll just put you down for a fumble for almost anything. And so I'm going to let's own it, buddy. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. That's just never going to happen, though. Don't we? It, 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 the good news for Vikings fans is we've seen worse. I believe Dante Culpepper actually fumbled more than Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Dante might have had. And Judge sitting near me here, I think Dante fumbled like twenty plus times in one of his seasons, and at least he sort of. At least it wasn't blaming offensive linemen. It was he had small hands, <laughs> like he had those. He had like the Burger King tiny hands guy hands and couldn't <laughs> hang on to the football. You know what? He so. also didn't listen to uh, John Gruden. When Gruden used to do the QB camps, he would yell at guys for not having two hands on that football. It's two hands two on hands, that football. Yeah. Did you watch Har- – I haven't watched episode one, but did you watch – I haven't seen it yet. Okay. No, I haven't. I'm, I'm excited because you guys know how much I like John Gruden. And I will not apologize for that. Like people think he's just sort of a cartoon character, but – I used to watch all those quarterback club things, and I mean, you would see some of the snippets on SportsCenter, but the whole thing was like 20 minutes, so I would find those on YouTube and watch the whole things, and he was usually really spot on at assessing players and had lots of interesting things to say, and I mean, I, I think he does it on purpose to sort of be the caricature football guy, you know, sort of thing, but um, I think he is actually a, a really bright football mind and a Super Bowl champion and had a bad team last year that he's gotten to be really interesting this year. So, he's I mean, people make fun of him. Nathan but. Peterman the last couple of weeks. Nathan Peterman. Okay, man. now, look, people, again, this is where people make fun of these things, but they don't really, like, know the whole story. So, Nathan Peterman won a job last year as a yeah. starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. He beat out A.J. McCarron, who has former um, starting experience. He beat out Josh Allen, who was their top draft pick, because he played much better than them in the preseason and in practice. So it doesn't surprise me that Nathan Peterman would go out and practice with Oakland and, and perform better and impress his coach. He's already done this. So does that mean that like the Buffalo coach is a moron, too? The guy who was their offensive mm-hmm. coordinator? Like... I don't know. It just seems people go Peterman, man. people go out of their way to make fun of John Gruden because he is goofy and different and, and has the voice and everything else. See, my first instinct is actually is, is similar to yours. I think whether he succeeds in Oakland or not, it, it, it's to be determined. But I think when it comes to quarterbacks, you can learn so much watching that guy ask the right questions and watch film. And so I would trust that John Gruden looking at Nathan Peterman, man, I think there's probably something there. I'm going to guess that Nathan Peterman isn't the worst quarterback in NFL history, like his stats probably say. If guys like John Gruden are still bringing him into camp and like yep. pumping his tires, yeah. Right? I, I and also too, we've seen other quarterbacks like Nathan Peterman who have been horrendous in their first chance of um, you know getting out there and throwing a bunch of interceptions and then turn into journeyman quarterbacks. I would never think he's going to be a starter, but I could see where there would be some talent there. And I remember a lot of draft people saying, oh, he was a guy who could be that you know classic backup quarterback because he's smart and accurate or whatever, but doesn't have the, the greatest physical tools. So Anyway, all that aside, um, thank you, Phil, for stopping in. Ventline, no problem, man. Ventline, yeah. right? Ventline, it, Ventline's coming back. It's happening, for the, and we've never done it in the preseason before. So we're uh, we're going to start it out this Friday night. Judd and Manny are going to be hosting this Friday, but Ventline, all four preseason games, and then all sixteen regular season games, and all four playoff games too for the Vikings later on this season if they if they decide to play four playoff games. Yes, we'll be there. Um, all right. Well, I'm excited for that. By the way, streaming live too, not only on our mobile app, but cheap plug, it'll be video streaming live oh, great. in the regular season. We we we're not going to be video streaming this Friday night, but in the oh, regular okay. season, why video streaming? Because we got to teach Judd how to use the equipment yet. Oh, okay. And it's right. too short notice. Um, we'll, but we'll get Judd, we've got Judd doing we've got Judd doing selfie videos from his car, so I think we can probably add some extra technology to his plate. We'll see. See, 
What I can't wait for, here's my hope, is that Sean Mannion comes in, plays okay, and it's like, all right, with the second team. And then either Jake Browning or Kyle Sloter, third or fourth quarter, throws a 50-yard touchdown, and the phone calls pour in, <laughs> calling for Sloter to take over for Kirk Cousins. Yes. We have found our starter. See, Eli, I like that kid. He moves around. He's aggressive. Well, we know Randy and Cottage Grove already wants Kyle. He was on the Kyle Slaughter bandwagon like three seasons oh, ago. Yeah, so. everyone should yep. be. Uh, all right, thank you, Phil, right, for stuff. your time. And uh... Join me and Dan Terhar this Saturday for Score North's coverage of Minnesota United and FC Dallas. Pre-game at 6.30 with kick at 7 right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. Welcome back to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar with you as always. And joining me in studio now, I did not tease this appearance because I was not sure it was going to happen, but I have tracked down Arif Hassan from The Athletic. What's going on, Arif? I'm notoriously unreliable. Yeah. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't sure if you were going to be at walkthrough, if you're going to be at practice. No one knows where you are. No one knows where you live or if you really exist. I mean, mostly you just exist on the Internet, but I can yeah. confirm you are a real person. Yeah, I'd prefer this uh, this air of mystique. <laughs> yeah, uh, mystique is definitely what you have going for you. Okay, so I want to ask you about a couple of players in your mind because I think you more than anyone dive into the fringes of the roster and have a better feel than anybody else for guys that could surprise us and things like that uh, throughout the preseason. But let me, before that, stick with the theme of the show and ask you, for a preseason over-under, okay? We've done Ridiculous. some kicking. We've done some snap counts over-unders. Give me your preseason over-under. Well, because I think it's ridiculous that the Vikings still roster this position, let's go with uh, fullback carries over-under two and a half. Do you really? Do you really think it's ridiculous <laughs> to still have a fullback? <laughs> well, unless it's like a, uh, a Kyle Juszczyk situation where you know you get matchups or something like that. Uh, the Vikings haven't, I don't think, done much with the fullback. Uh, and in the few situations where it makes a ton of sense, short yardage, uh, just put Linval back there. Oh, Lin yeah, that worked out really well. I think they did that 2016, right? And he got hurt. Yeah, not a great, not a great plan. Um, <laughs> so I think they'll, I think that Gary Kubiak loves his fullbacks, and that they, they will actually use CJ Ham. This year, kind of quite a bit. I mean, I would guess that he'll get more than 300 snaps or somewhere in that range. Uh, I think that you're probably right. Um, I, I think that the, because you only get five eligibles, and that's one of them. I think the added benefit of having another tight end who can sometimes play fullback, like maybe if David Morgan gets healthy, you know, I think that's better, right? Just because you can create better matchups. And I think Morgan is actually a better fullback. Than C.J. Ham. He's a really, really good run blocker, yeah. Dave Morgan, and can catch and is maybe a little bit of a truck that's hard to bring down once yeah. he gets moving. Yeah. <laughs> there, who was it against? I think it was Green Bay where Case Keenum was rolling out and he dumped it off to David Morgan and there was no one around and he just had a bunch of spaces yes. like, go, David Morgan, <laughs> run. <laughs> um, but uh, so you, what was the over under on fullback carries? Two and a half. Two and a half. I'm going to take the over. Yeah. I'm going to say that CJ wow. Ham and Kari Blassingame get more than two carries. That one of the things this team does have to improve, Arif, for sure, is the third and shorts. Last yes. year they were abysmal at that, and I couldn't really figure out why. I mean, well, a lot of it had to do with how often they passed on third and short instead of run. Yeah, that could definitely be. Yeah. Like people hate running, and it's true that you should hate running a lot of times. Yes. But if it's third and one, Go ahead. Yeah, like, running is actually, fine. statistically, running is preferable to passing on third and one. And for the Vikings, remarkably so. They were mm. really bad passing in third and one. I thought that was a lot of play calling because I seem to remember in That's 2017 fair. that Pat Shermer would dial up a little play action two-yard pass to someone like Kyle Rudolph for a first down mm -hmm. on third and two or something. And it seemed like what you're saying, John Filippo was outsmarting himself too often when it came to those third and shorts. Yeah, I think so. I think the same mind that came up with the play design that was too smart for its own good was the same mind that decided running is too simple. Yeah. No, I, and, and that was really his downfall. Like, it is amazing. It's one of my favorite things in sports to talk about how egos and things like that impact how these people do their actual jobs. And when you go into a job here in Minnesota for John D. Filippo and decide, 
I am going to become the head coach. I'm going to be the next Sean McVay. That is my goal. It's not to just win here with Minnesota, but also to be super interesting at the podium right. and get these big, long, I want to be a head coach type of answers, and you want to game plan differently for every single team, which which everyone does, but not like create this whole Like new... a new offense every week. Right, yeah. yeah, and that seemed like what he wanted to do. And when they ran similar things to Shermer, which I think was in the Green Bay game, I felt mm-hmm. like it was a lot of 2017, it worked, and then they went away from all of it. It's like, come on, DeFilippo, why why are you going away from things that work like eight-yard passes to Kyle Rudolph? I don't know. I mean, you know, once it's on film, you can never do it again. I know. That was right. That's like exactly (laughs) what he was going for. It's like, why don't you use a swing pass to Delvin Cook like all the time because he's Delvin Cook and just get him the ball, and it's that easy. All right, let me give you one then. Over, under, touchdowns. Four, I will name you several people here. For Jeff Bidette, B.C. Johnson, Alexander Hollins, Davion Davis, and who am I missing? One other guy that no one's ever heard of. Uh, Brandon Zilstra, people would kind of know. So uh, how about those five? So Zilstra, Bidette, Hollins, Davion Davis, and I'm sure there was someone else in there. So (laughs) Alexander Hollins? Did I say B.C. Johnson? Uh, You missed Dylan Mitchell. Okay, but also, yeah, you missed B.C. Johnson. All the receivers who have not caught more than one NFL pass to okay, include so, Brandon Zilstra. So, yeah, yeah, So, not Chad Beebe, and surprisingly not Jordan Taylor, who's played in regular season NFL games. Right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not guys who have actually been in NFL games and caught more than one NFL okay, pass. So, and I'm going to go with, for the over-under, three and a half for the whole preseason right. and a half for this first game. Uh, I would go, I'd go over on that half. Uh, and then for three and a half for the whole preseason, uh, that one's tough because I don't have a ton of trust in the backups uh, at quarterback, especially. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's sure. part of it. That's part of it. Uh, I'll I'll take the over on three and a half just because I think at some point you're just they're just going to try and throw it downfield. Yeah, they'll get frustrated. This is a, another way of just asking you, Arif, if you think anyone is going to like be good at football among those wide receivers that no one's ever heard of because you know when they drafted Rodney uh yeah Rodney Adams right was mm-hmm. the one guy and yeah. Stacy Coley it was like well this could be one of those guys could be the next Thielen or Diggs right yeah. and they weren't as you would expect precisely not so now it's two more 7th rounders it's a couple of more undrafted guys and we've seen a lot of meh going on out there and I just wonder if you think that anyone is going to come take a job from Laquan Treadwell. Uh, so when Zimmer called out all the rookie receivers, he definitely wasn't wrong. It was already a thought that I had had. Uh, he said it in more specific terms about the things that they were doing. But, you know, they weren't catching passes in training mm-hmm. camp. Uh, and so fundamentally, they were not doing well. But I think that when healthy, both Zilstra and Bidette, who's only been healthy three days, uh, <laughs> have uh, have actually looked pretty good. Uh, and so... Presuming that both Zilstra and Bidet can maintain health, and remember Zilstra was in the CFL in the first place because he got hurt. Right. Um, so uh, presuming that either of them can be healthy, I think that one of them can take like the wide receiver's five spot from Laquan Treadwell. So something else I wanted to ask you, we could do this now, and then we can end on a regular season over under. Was just players that no one's ever heard of who you think have a chance to be heard of after this. Because I always look at this, Arif, as you and I and all the other media, we show up at training camp and we're like, okay, it's time. We're footballing. <laughs> Let's write every article that we can. Let's interview every guy. And, and the people who listen to our stuff and read our stuff are like, oh, uh, I've been at the cabin and just tuned in for the first time to the preseason. I don't know anything that's going on. And we're like, come on, man. We've been doing shows every day. Um, three players I want from you who no one would have heard of if they just started watching preseason, hadn't read The Athletic, had not read scorenorth.com, don't know the fringe guys. Who is interesting to you going into the first preseason game? Uh, do you think people will have heard of Fadi Odenabo? I'm going to say no. Yeah, I don't think so. So I'm going to go with him. I think he's looked really good in camp. Uh, he has had the opportunity to take uh, defensive end four, essentially snaps. Uh, and, uh, you know, I guess beating up on Rashad Hill isn't, like, an amazing accomplishment, but it's better than not doing that. Right. Uh, and so he looked pretty good in the last preseason as well. He's had to switch positions a couple of times, uh, and he's looked good doing both of those things. And the Vikings actually had a had a bidding war in order to get his services. So 
I think he's a guy that that'll uh, show out uh, offensively. Wait. Real quick on on Odenabo, he strikes me as the type of guy that if they had not brought him back, would have done something somewhere else, and right. then we would say. Oh man, they let that guy go, and he did something somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. It, right, because he Just showed like he Minnesota. showed enough last year. Especially, uh, wasn't there a game? Correct me if I'm wrong. Where everyone got hurt. I think this yes. was maybe Jacksonville, and then he ends up playing defensive end. Even though he'd been playing defensive tackle all year. Yes. Yes. And he showed much more at, at that in the one game, even though he'd been playing defensive tackle, than he had the entire time at defensive tackle. Yeah. And so he's kind of put it on tape a little bit in the past in preseason that he can play. So it's not a guy that I would say, look, superstar or anything, but to Sean Bowers out, that door is open. And as far as I could tell, nobody else is even cracked it in, in practices. I, I don't know if you've had any other thoughts on defensive ends, but um, for me, it's been Odenabo, Weatherly, and uh, okay, there are other people out there for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, I've got this commitment to the AAF, so I will point out that, <laughs> that Carter Schultz looked decent, you know, when he had that couple of, of second team snaps. Uh, but, you know, I don't think he's a guy <laughs> that's going to pop out. So uh, I think he's a practice squad candidate, so that's fine. All right, Afadi Odenabo, write that down and try to spell it. <laughs> I, you know what I've said, Arif, in the past is. Um, guys like that who have odd names, once they get in the fingers, I'll be able to spell them forever. Right. So if you Winter come muscle and, memory. Yep. Yeah. If you come and find me when I'm 72 and be like, hey, can you spell Afadi Adenabo? Give me a keyboard. Right. I'll be able to do it. Um, but like if they give you, if you, they give you a pen, you've, you've got no clue. Oh, no chance. Right. I, that is with almost everything. I, not that long ago, was going to write my wife a note that I had gone to play basketball. <laughs> and I was just like, I. H, what? <laughs> right? I just like never write anything anymore, and my signature is just scribbles. Yeah, at that so point, it just becomes what I'm doing. Drawing again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So, who is your second player that, if you haven't been watching anything, that you would need to know before the preseason opener? Need is a strong word, but sure. Uh, <laughs> Want to know would be interested. In, people are going to watch this whole thing. You know they are. Yeah, Cole Hicatini. Uh, Louisville, I think that's how you pronounce it, tight end. Uh, is it okay if I call him the Louisville slugger if he has a good block? Uh, yes, that's okay. I give you permission. All right. Uh, no, I thought he's looked really good in camp. Uh, the fact that David Morgan isn't healthy yet might even open up an opportunity for another tight end spot. I know the coaches have been talking up Brandon Dillon, and he's looked good, but he continues to take, like, fifth tight end spot, so, mm -hmm. like, how much are they really talking him up? Hikatini has looked good. He's caught contested catches. He's blocked pretty well in camp. Um, and another guy who they had to win a bidding war. You know, the, the, they paid him basically, uh, minimum veteran salary to put him on the practice squad. Hmm. They were competing with San Francisco for him. So that's really interesting that, um, he has made a little bit of noise in practice. And I've thought the same thing that he looks like a guy who could be an NFL tight end. And, um, you know, the, the door is open to have four tight ends, even if David mm -hmm. Morgan is still hurt. And that might be a, a good idea since they want Irv Smith to play all over the place, right. sometimes in the slot, sometimes outside. And I think Tyler Conklin has been the winner of training camp so far. Yeah, that he's, sure. he's been really fantastic. And if Gary Kubiak is going to use them all the time, then why not keep four? Because if somebody gets hurt, and Morgan doesn't come back right away, then you're shorthanded, and then we're talking about Blake Bell situations. <laughs> right, yeah. Or, uh, oh, who's the other guy? Kyle Carter. Oh, yeah, wide open. Can we talk about that just for a second? <laughs> it's your favorite story. Was it, it was week 17, 2017. They're yeah. playing a game that doesn't matter against Chicago. There's a play where Kyle Carter, in his first <laughs> NFL game as an active player from Penn State, He's been on the practice squad all year. He finally gets For bumped two up. two years, I think. Two yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So it's like, think about that. You're on the practice <laughs> squad two years, okay? So you're just grinding away in practice and everything else day after day. You're not making a ton of money. And finally, they call your number. Oh, my gosh. It's time. It's Kyle Carter time. They put him in the game, and they run a play action or something, and no one covers him. Wide open. Why? No one within 20 yards. At least 20 yards. I mean, it's just, you couldn't get more wide open ever in an NFL game, I don't think. He's right. probably one of the historically most wide open players on a play ever on this play. We should ask NFL Next Gen Stats. To in all seriousness, <laughs> when, the, when they release those things with the little dots, there would have been just, you would have been like, what is that guy lost? Did he sneak in <laughs> off the sideline? 
Like, if you're an old-school Viking fan, you'll remember Jim McMahon throwing to a guy against the Packers who had one catch, and he was wide open, and it beat the Packers, and there was a controversy where they thought he snuck off the sideline. <laughs> so, like, anyway, this was Kyle Carter, so wide open. And uh, I believe it was Case Keenum mm-hmm. does not throw him the football. Yeah. Like, doesn't see it, checks down or something. Right. It becomes like an eight-yard game. S- same side of the field, checks down to, I want to say, C.J. Ham. No, actually, or David now, Morgan? wasn't... If Kyle Carter had made a block, I think it would have been a yes, huge play. Yes, it would play, have been a but touchdown. He, but he didn't. But he was he was so caught up. I mean, I have no idea what was in his head. But in my head, he was <laughs> so caught up with the fact that he was open. Yes, yes. He was, so you can even, so on the All-22, especially back in 2016, it's not like HD or anything. Yeah, it's right? a little grainy. And so when when you've got players that uh, that open that deep down the field, the camera zooms out. Yeah. You can just see basically dots. Um, but you can see this guy waving his hands <laughs> very clearly. Like, it's so obvious. Oh, yes, it's so great. And uh, so then he misses a block, and whoever, if it's C.J. Ham, he's got the ball, and he gets like a you know a ten yard gain or right, something. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that that just happened to him in his first game. He gets zero catches, so he doesn't end up like with a Pro Football Reference where he's got a you know an NFL catch. But okay, fine, no big deal. They're going to the playoffs, and maybe he'll get a playoff game. Like, wow, that would be a, crazy for him right. to get into a playoff game. Instead, they activate Sam Bradford and get rid of Kyle Carter. <laughs> so he is not there for the Minneapolis right. Miracle. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Poor Kyle Carter. The tragedy of Kyle Carter. All right, anyway, so Cole Hicatini is the next Kyle Carter, potentially. Uh, that's what you're saying. Who is the third player uh, on your mind that... Vikings fans who are just waking up from their football slumber should know. There's so many people I could go with here. I could go with Chris Boyd or Marcus Epps, uh, but I'm going to go, again, AAF, Darren Smith. I agree with you. Now, here's the controversy with Darren Smith. Is it Duran or Darren? Because it's spelled Darren, but when they, you know, they have the little explanations. Oh, for, right, yeah, the pronunciation It looks gets. like it says Duran, and I haven't talked to him. I get my cues from the ever-talented AAF announcers. Oh, okay, so uh, they were saying... They were saying Darren. Darren. Yeah. All right, I'm going to have to confirm. Now, I, I agree. I think he's been, like, solid. Like, yeah. he's looked like an NFL player, and he does have previous NFL experience. This safety position is one that... We thought had no depth before until Anthony Harris stepped up and played really well last mm-hmm. year. But with Harris starting and Andrew Sandejo gone, I thought, yeah, they're, right. they're, they're in pretty thin ice here. But with him, if he plays well in the preseason, I think you're going to feel a lot better about it. And I think he'll make the team. Yeah, you know, he, uh, he, he almost had a couple of picks in camp. I think he has one. Um, but, I mean, he's been closing down pretty well on the ball. Uh, you know, it's always difficult to evaluate safeties in camp. So anytime anybody makes a splash play without giving too much up, I, I feel like that's a huge candidate. Yeah, and the fact that he was like the best player by pro football focus in the AAF, yeah. and it was good competition, I think that says at least he's probably a bottom roster NFL guy. All right, last thing, a regular season over under. I will uh, tell you some of the ones we've had earlier on the show, just uh, touches for Delvin Cook. We've done rankings for defense, where the Vikings defense will rank at the end of the year. I want you to give me one interesting over-under for the Vikings regular season. 30-plus uh, yard plays. Wow, this is very on-brand for you <laughs> to, to go like that deep. Not like catches for Adam Thielen. Like, well, it's, it's a thing the Vikings just need to be better at, period. They've always had to have been better at it yeah. since 2010. Uh, they're not an explosive offense. They don't throw the ball deep downfield often enough, even when they've had strong arm quarterbacks like Sam Bradford. Um, so Cousins is good at throwing deep. He just doesn't do it that often. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it's not like he's in Alex Smith, Sam Bradford territory, but he should do it more often. I'm going to go, I, I have no idea how often 30 plus yard plays happen. That's what makes this so hard. Uh, 10. Uh, yes. That's my uh, over. 10 and a half. Yeah, that, that makes it more like an over under. So, okay. I'm gonna say, mm, I'm gonna say over because it's gonna be an emphasis of the play actions and throw it downfield. That they are essentially saying we're not gonna let you, Kirk Cousins, go to the underneath route. We're gonna. I mean, usually those have a checkdown, but our, we're gonna design so many dang plays for you to launch it to <laughs> Thielen and Diggs that you just have to. Right, and you have no other option. I think that's probably why I would go over, but I don't know what a regular number is. How about this? Um, 
I want to say something like the NFL average is like 13 or 14. I looked into this like a year and a half. Oh, okay. So, all right. Well, I I would probably go NFL average. I'm not going to say that they're going to become Patrick Mahomes or something and be creating big-time plays all the time, but also screens to Delvin Cook. Yeah, those count. He's explosive enough to create plays that go for more than 30 yards on little checkdowns, which is one, my bigger frustration than lack of running game with John Filippo is how do you not throw screens to Delvin Cook and just get him the football? So, okay, well, that was a very deep um, over-under, but I'll take it. I'll give you one more. Right. Um, over-under, 12 yards a catch for Stefan Diggs. Last year, oh, his man. yards per catch was down quite the, a bit because like they threw a, lot of, yeah, yeah. threw a lot of screens to him. Is he going to catch 65 or 70 balls but average more yards per catch, or is it going to be kind of the same with him? Uh, I think that they want to use him deeper downfield. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, and I think he's very good at it, so they should do that. So throwing him screens wasn't always the best idea? Yeah, well, also, if all if that's all you're going to do, when it, then it's easy to cheat and right. and not have to like bail and give him the kind of space that he needs. Right. Um, by the way, I'm looking at the uh, the number of oh explosive plays you've got yeah, it 30 plus yards. Well, this makes it easier. Yeah. Uh, so Minnesota last year had 20. So I actually I underestimated oh, it. Oh well. So the average. Do we think we're beating 20 then? Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm gonna say so. I'm gonna yeah, say the that, average was 24. So. Okay, I'm yeah. gonna say that they are. I'll even go above average in the big-time plays. I think it's okay. going to be a more explosive offense. So you'll take the over on 24-and-a-half. See, this is the weird thing when we talk about Kirk Cousins and his season is it's like, yeah, I think their offense will be better for a lot of reasons. I don't think he'll be different, but it will be better. Like, is that a weird right, thing? Yeah, but like, yeah. that's, that's like where I'm sitting with this. So. Uh, Arif Hassan, always great stuff on The Athletic. I would not suggest following him on Twitter, but if you want to, <laughs> I think it's Arif Hassan NFL, maybe? Yeah. Okay. It's Ar- definitely not another league. All right. Well, I, AAF. I mean, you did a lot of coverage <laughs> did, for The Athletic on the AAF. RIP AAF. Um, that was fun. It man. was fun while it lasted. All right. We'll uh, wrap things up on the other side. Take a quick break. We'll be right. 354 here at Score North. Time for the Score North download. This download brought to you by MyPillow. And if you missed the announcement that we made a couple times during the show today, we've made, been making it all week. Preseason Vikings vent line for the first time ever here on Score North. That'll be right after the game this Friday between the New Orleans Saints and your Minnesota Vikings. You can call in Manny Hill and Judd Zolgad. will be taking your calls immediately after that game ends right here on Score North Friday night. Tune in there. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. All right, just a couple of minutes left here. Mackie and Judd with Rami is coming up next. They will be breaking down the Atlanta Braves and Minnesota Twins baseball contest from today that went on a target field, so you will definitely want to catch that, along with um, the big series coming up against Cleveland. So you'll hear that from uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami in just a few minutes. Also, I'm just going to keep reminding you, Alex Boone will be in studio tomorrow, and you are going to want to hear him talk football. Trust me, if you're thinking right now, I wasn't really an Alex Boone fan, trust me, you're going to want to hear him talk football. Uh, Having covered him in the locker room, he is an interesting guy with a ton of knowledge about the game. So that is tomorrow at 2 o'clock, or if you're a... um, podcast listener then it's just going to be in the first hour tomorrow so let me give you a couple more just players real quick since we've got just a couple minutes that i'm going to be looking for aside from all the wide receivers we've talked about um i i want to see jalen holmes actually he's probably a guy that a lot of people would not know very well because he was a fourth round draft pick he barely got in the game um, last year and saw a little bit of time, but if you watched him at Ohio State, he didn't have huge sack numbers or anything, but he was a powerful player that they're trying to move from defensive end to defensive tackle. And if they're going to be good to replace Sheldon Richardson, as we were talking about a little earlier with Judd, then 
Jalen Holmes is going to have to step up. I mean, all the talk about Hercules Mata'afa, we'll see if he becomes anything, but Jalen Holmes is much more likely to be the guy that gets time on the interior of the defensive line, and he's got a chance to prove himself and be in there a lot of time in those big passing situations. And if he doesn't, then there could be um, some trouble on the interior of the defensive line if nobody steps up and looks like they're a pass rusher or, or can be a backup to Linval Joseph and Shamar Stefan, then you're talking about going out on the waiver wire uh, once everybody makes their cuts and seeing if there's a veteran out there. Jaleel Johnson, same thing. If we're going down the roster, Jaleel Johnson has got all the first-team reps because Linval Joseph hasn't been practicing, so he's going to get his opportunity. And it's year three, another guy drafted in the fourth round. I think he's got a chance to be a rotational player and somebody who can step in for Linval Joseph, but it's like, all right, now is the time. You're going to have to show it. The cornerbacks for sure. I think when you're watching a game um, preseason on TV, one of the things that you can tell for sure is if the cornerbacks are doing their job because it's mostly just receivers running routes, corners trying to follow them, the coverages are not going to be super intricate, and you're going to get an idea. Can this guy play man coverage? So with Holton Hill suspended, I don't even know if he's going to play in the preseason game. I would guess that he is not. And so who's going to be the next Holton Hill from last year? He's undrafted. He shows up, and he performs extremely well. Um, well enough to at least still be here in training camp, whereas maybe most players, if they got a suspension and were an undrafted guy, they would have been let go. There's still a chance that he's on the team and shows up week eight after his uh, suspension is over with. But the names are guys like Craig James, guys like Chris Boyd, who is a seventh-round pick, who's had a pretty good camp so far. But it's really thin behind those starters, and there's going to be a lot of opportunities given out. And I'll tell you the truth. I know that I have um, tried to downplay the backup quarterback situation. I'm going to say this a little bit quietly, okay? Because, all right, it, it's got me a little bit. Can Jake Browning actually do something? Okay, all right, I said it. Can Jake Browning actually do something? I'm going to be interested to see if he if he plays for one because he is listed fourth on the depth chart. If he plays over Kyle Sloter, if he actually does something, if he makes a couple of plays. We just, I mean, guys who have journeyman backup quarterback potential, you've got to pay attention to them. And once we get into the end of the game, if you're talking third, fourth quarter, what else can you really watch except for, hey, is this fourth string quarterback who they gave some money in the offseason and had one big season at Washington uh, in college, can he actually play um, in practice? He's shown a little bit of potential, does not have a very strong arm, but has accuracy and seems to understand the offense pretty well. So I admit it, he's going to be a guy I'm watching. Yep. So anyway, tomorrow, Alex Boone, it'll be vent line after the preseason game on Friday. Friday's going to be a fun show. We're going to have Courtney Cronin, Myron Metcalf. So a lot of stuff coming up here as we officially get into real football games being played again. And then guess what? We will not have a football list week again, aside from the bye week, but you can still watch games. We will not have a football list week again until February. So, it's back. All right. Uh, Mac and Joe with Rami coming up next. Thanks for listening. This was another episode of Purple Daily. and we. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.